is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. I'm Drake Bowerson, and you're listening to Send Central. more fun to win games than lose games so uh, of course we're going going there to win the tournament so that's uh, that's our goal. Davidson in behind the net wheels around backdoor pass shooting scores Johnny Gruden ends the tournament in style. Unfortunately we'll be able to get the win and it's nice to finish the tournament 3-0. Hello, Sens fans and welcome it's episode 61 the finale of season three making sense of the Sens presented by Big Heads Media. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Pillar. Hey guys, what's up? Usually I say the TSN studios. We are at TSN, but um, backup studio being used. So a bit of are, a road game. We are playing a road game, and it's in one of those old barns where the <laughs> yeah. home team really has an advantage. We're in basically a closet, <laughs> snuck away, and over Skype, because we heard, we heard your feedback, and we listened to the episode as well. Parley does not sound as good as he does in person on the phone, so we got him on Skype with his proper microphone. Parley, how you doing in Woodstock, Let's Ontario? Let's hear that beautiful voice. A lot more comfortable without a phone in my hand for about 50 minutes of a show, so glad to be on the microphone and glad to be talking sense. Win-win. So Parley and I, along with Pillar, all went to the game on Saturday. Pillar and I on our way back from the finale. Sens sweeping the tournament, 3 nothing, clean sweep. Now, tonight's game, Brandon and I, I guess, can attest to a lot of the stars sat waiting for main camp to open on Thursday, but they came in with a bang on Friday against the Winnipeg Jets, 8-1 win. Ooh. Logan Brown with two goals. I think they had six in the second period. They were absolutely all over the Jets, and... They didn't seem to have an answer. Then on Saturday, the game we were all at, probably we'll go into this game more. I know uh, Pillar and I were both working, so we do have one eye on the game, but also have to kind of focus too. But Getting you, those highlights for you fans. You got all the paperwork <laughs> there. We saw you like a scout in the stands, and um, that was a 4-2 win, if I'm not mistaken. 4-2. Absolutely was. And then tonight, it took overtime, but... Friend of the show, your interview from last year, Parley, John Ethan Gruden, <laughs> finishes off a beautiful pass from Jonathan Davidson. Oh, John to John. And that sweeps the tournament, 3-0. and um, We'll get into our three stars, but general takeaways from the weekend. Pillar, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, right off the bat, a guy that I didn't really have a lot of, uh, a lot of video uh, stats on or hadn't watched him too much even in the WHL with the long playoff run he was on with the Prince Albert Raiders and that's uh, Parker Kelly I mean he was a guy that no matter where the play was he was involved with it and Parliament I'll throw it over to you because I know you have some more Parker Kelly stuff to add but you had a great way of describing his way of play let's hear it yeah he is what I would like to call a high event guy because even though he doesn't have the puck on his stick, he's a guy that's going to make you notice him. And there was one moment in that Saturday night game actually where he came in and he, the defenseman was a little flat-footed and a little slow to make the read on the breakout pass and he didn't slow down, ran him over and then picked up the puck in the neutral zone and the kid took a run at him and he just threw the puck about three feet in front of him and laid a hit on him. He took a penalty, but don't get me wrong, he won the uh, he won the ordeal. So it's fun to see a guy like that. And just the little things like uh, bugging the guys in face-offs. There was one time where the, 
puck almost got dropped three times, but the linesman had to turn around and tell him to back off a little bit. Uh, one of those guys he's going to make you notice, and I guess high event would be the best way to describe it in my eyes. Yeah, and he did even more of that tonight, Parley, especially with uh, a lot of the key guys sitting out, uh, four different players. I think it was, what, Branstrom, Batherson, Brown, and Abramov that sat out this game. So Parker Kelly got a bit more of a better look tonight, and he was involved in everything after the whistle. I remember there was one play where uh, a bunch of the guys ended up on the ice just tumbling around, and I scrolled back on the replay and was like, who caused this whole issue? None other than your boy, Parker Kelly. So he has no problems getting involved in scrums after the whistles, which can be a lot of fun. I mean, he could be a guy who in the future, imagine him and Kachuk on a line just wreaking havoc. That'd be a blast. (laughs) Stat that nobody wants to hear um, coming off a rookie tournament. What happened to fighting for your job? Zero fights the whole weekend, which is interesting. But there were some scrums in front of the net. And we mentioned Parker Kelly would be remiss not to shout out that whole line. Because Mark Kastelich down the middle really set the tone physically. Loved seeing him on the power play unit on Saturday while all the stars were dressed. This guy scored 47 goals. Same number that was on his back this weekend. And he really makes his presence felt. They had Davidson to finish off that line. Kind of seeing what Davidson could do in more of a checking role on the Saturday after he played on Friday higher up in the lineup. I I believe, yeah, he was with Gruden and Norris on the Friday in a top six role. But if he does play with Ottawa, a lot of people think Davidson has a good chance to make Ottawa this year. Out of camp, he'll be obviously in a bottom six role. So good to get to see him on both sides of the puck. I liked what I saw. Nothing flashy by any means, unlike the guy who came over in that trade with him who we'll get to momentarily. But... Um, definitely a good showing for Jonathan Davidson, so I'd shout out that whole line. It looked like a pro line, and when you talk about a pro line, it's got to have a little bit of everything if you're going to make it work. And Mark Kaslich hopped in there, number 47, like you said, Ross, and he just played his role. He seemed to know what it was. He was out there for a lot of defensive zone draws. He played the middle well. He helped out. He was in front of the net on the power play. He won draws. He was directing traffic in the defensive zone and before the puck was dropped. He did a lot of things right. And then you add a guy like Jonathan Davidson in there, and I'll second it, Ross. He had a great game game that I was at. And one thing that I wrote down for him was he's a 200-foot guy. He just looks committed to playing in the defensive zone, taking away passing lanes and shot lanes. He had a nice block shot that ended up leading to a breakaway pass uh, to outlet after the uh, penalty kill had ended. And, um, yeah, Parker Kelly, just kind of a pest to play against. So something in the future to watch for. Those three guys kind of bring the intangibles to the game that make up a nice little threesome that would, uh, I think would be a pretty good professional line. Yeah, and just to add on uh, Davidson, just coming fresh off it, I mean, we're here in the studio It's past midnight. We're doing this podcast for you guys. We just came back from the game. And Davidson, that play to set up Gruden's goal, that doesn't happen without him. He carried the puck around the net, got two of the players to bite, and they were puck watching, and basically a no-look pass. And it was tough because Gruden had to stop with his skate, and then he shelved it, but the pass was just so beautiful. So if that's the kind of skills that this guy is bringing, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him as one of the top guys fighting for some of those open roster spots come opening night. 
one of many guys looking to make the Ottawa Senators for the first time out of training camp. We'll get more into that, how many spots are really available, and what a successful season would be next week when we do episode 62. But we got to stick to rookie camp, rookie tournament this weekend. Chris, what was your major standout? For me, it was that top line of Formanton, Brown, and Batherson. And when you go into tournaments like this, it's the big guys, it's the top prospects, it's the names you hear about all summer that you're excited to see that you want to stand out. And this threesome did that in spades. Their first shift of the game on Saturday night was a minute and 15 seconds long, in which I think they hit everybody on the ice. All three of them looked like they went out there to prove that they were going to get the first contact. They had two shots on net, and they cycled for probably 50 seconds of that minute 15. It almost looked like the three of them got together before the game and said, hey, we're the older guys out here. We're supposed to be the better ones. Let's go prove that we are. And they did it for 60 minutes that night. And when I say 60 minutes, I mean 60 minutes because nothing's better than watching a top-line guy like Alex Formanton block a shot with a two-goal lead with like a minute 50 left on the clock. And after he blocked that shot, He chased down his guy with that speed we all know he has and created the empty net goal just because of pure pestering on the forecheck. I love that that's part of his game now, and it was a lot of fun to watch those three guys that we wanted to see play well exceed what was playing well in my eyes, and they all ran that game. Oh, Formanton, that wasn't an isolated incident. Whenever Formanton could, he was jabbing after the whistle, jabbing after the play moved away. He was involved physically, he was involved verbally, and as you mentioned, still not afraid to use those wheels, and he's just faster than everybody else. And if he has a preseason like he did last year, or even when he was maybe still 17, if not just turned 18, I remember he was the youngest player drafted in that 2017 draft, and it's going to be hard to keep him off of the opening night roster if he does all those things. And you mentioned Drake Baston, Logan Brown, they were sitting in the crowd tonight. They don't have anything left to prove against this age category. So... That boy, were they fun to watch, but I don't know if we see either of them in Belleville. But lots of training camp battles ahead. Um, but we got to give our three stars out. And Pillar, we'll start with you. Go three, then two, then your first star of the weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, definitely uh, you threw me for a loop going backwards, but uh, I'll do that. <laughs> My third star, I'm going to go with uh, Formanton. Like you said, last year he was just a speed machine, which personally I didn't see too many tools to his game last year when we saw him, other than if he catches a puck wide, he can beat a defenseman for sure. But now he's really adding that physical presence, and he looks like he's more comfortable in his body. So I'll go with the number three, Formanton. Uh, number two, uh, you didn't get to see a lot of him in this showcase tournament, but he played half a game tonight, and that was Mandalazy. We didn't really, we don't know a lot about what this guy can do at a higher level than juniors. We only saw him play half a game, but he was sharp. I mean, I was racking up highlights for him pretty much uh, the whole first period and second period. He looked really smooth for a big guy. He can move well, and he did a really good job of controlling rebounds. So I don't know really where he fits in the pipeline of goalies in this organization, but he was a real highlight for me. And then number one, Parker Kelly. He was electric out there, throwing hits getting involved in the play after the whistle and I just thought he really showed well and he's a guy that hopefully like I said earlier could play with a guy like Brady Kachuk in the future that'd be great seeing those two yeah tough to argue that list Parley what about you well what I love about that list is it's literally completely different from mine and what's great about that is after you go three and oh 
to start the season like that. There's so many positives to move on from, and I like that we were able to pick out different ones. Uh, for my list, I'm happy to say that friend of the show, Jonathan Gruden, goes in for number three for me. Uh, he added points where he could, two points on uh, Saturday night with the assists, uh, and then added that overtime winner tonight. And the, that's the that was the notch on his belt that kind of put him into that top three for me, was that overtime winner tonight, because... Definitely. That's a great boost to start off this kid's season. You go from there. That's a confidence builder. The boys are selling with you. You're not celebrating with the boys to start. And uh, that's something huge for him to add on to. Uh, for number two on my list of the three stars is actually his line mate, Vitaly Abramov, because the things he showed me were the things you wanted to see from him, and that's that he loves nothing more than owning the puck in the offensive zone. He's going to do everything to keep it on his stick. And he, he can put it away, too, and it looks like he gets more fired up and more into the game when he has those chances, kind of in that home plate zone around the net where that's where he's going to get all of his confidence from. And that adds to his 200-foot game speed through the neutral zone. Well, it was great to see him not afraid to go to the net either. Exactly. Uh, yeah, he had that nice tip uh, for his first goal of the game on Saturday night. And uh, my first star, another friend of the show, is Drake Batherson. Boom. A little bit different reasoning for Drake and it's because he proved what he had to and that was he was the best player on the ice because he's so elite in creating passing zones and creating scoring zones for himself and what I loved most about it was when you bring in a guy like Eric Brandstrom you're excited to see what he can do on the power play but what's even more exciting is a fourth round pick and Drake Batherson overshadowed him on the power play because of the way he moves the puck, creates lanes, gets pucks on net, and his creativity and his ability to keep the cycle going. So Drake takes number one for me, not just because of his point-getting ability, but his ability to be the best player on the ice. Okay, I like your reasoning a little bit off off the uh, other end than than Pillar, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the same theme of, of picking some different guys. Uh, for my third star, Max Gwinnett. Because we we're uh, we we're listening to our draft one, and we said, oh, he's just a seventh rounder. But then when we got deeper into it, he was ranked as high as 108th um, going to the draft about fourth round. But um, I thought he skated great a few times. He made some some pivots where I was like, that's not seventh round material. And then he goes out <laughs> offensively and gets three assists on, on the Friday night in the beatdown game. But I just love the way he can move the puck. He's a right shot as well, which going forward, this is a part of what the organization still needs to grow with. Um, there are some more guys in the cupboard that he'll have to catch up and then ultimately pass. But I'm excited to see him go back to Val- Valdor this year and maybe uh, an invite to to camp for Team Canada. I don't think he'll crack the roster, but if he could somehow carve out an invitation to camp for Team Canada... Uh, for the World Juniors, I think that would be a huge confidence builder for him. Uh, speaking guy who had, I think, all the confidence in the world now, and that's Logan Brown, at least against this age category. He's my second star of the tournament. He had his kind of big piece of the pie on Friday night. He added to the lead, and then in the third period, put it away with that gorgeous, silky smooth backhand upstairs. Just the kind of big body presence you need. He was in tight, maybe a foot outside the crease, and he could still create... Uh, an, a lane to to put the puck up over top of the of the Winnipeg goalie. So as long as he can bring that confidence to NHL camp, good luck keeping him off the opening roster. Yep. Uh, as for my first star, I'm gonna 
kind of dip back into the front of the show because we got to show some love, and that's Joey Decord making his first start in the Yardman Arena or CAA Arena. Um, I thought he was calm, cool, collected, and further to what all we keep hearing about him, his technical game is just on another level. Just watching him kind of eat pucks or the ones that he loses, track them, perfect power leg, power slide. He's got everything kind of to a T. Um, so he's just so much fun to watch. Sucked watching him go down with uh, in the last minute of the game, but glad to hear it's just a sore neck. Should be ready to go for physicals on Thursday in Ottawa. Yeah, great to hear that because that is a scare, especially when you're going and it's kind of the garbage time and guys are still trying to make the team for Montreal, so you got to respect the hustle and trying to put points on the board, but just an unfortunate incident. And what's even worse is there is, I think it was a senator defenseman yeah. that slid into him, so yeah, kind of friendly fire there. But going back to that uh, Logan Brown goal, you're completely right, Ross. That's a man's goal out front, uh, using his size, length, getting it up exactly what he needed to do and he did it so uh good to see for logan brown and i love that we just named nine different guys yeah and i want to give a a shout out to a 10th guy he's not um he's not he didn't do enough or didn't play enough i don't think honorable mention honorable mention to josh norris because tonight he was all over the ice with that those extra minutes that brown would have played so loved watching love love josh norris's game he he like Foreman did tonight was really beacon off with the other team and letting them know that they don't their ice isn't free they got to pay rent yeah and Josh <laughs> Norris he was one of the guys at center ice I think it was after the second period but there was a little skirmish in front of the benches and he just as sense prospects put it he was just making friends being friendly uh, but definitely making his presence known out there and with those guys out of the lineup you could really see that Norris looked at this as an opportunity tonight to capitalize on some higher minutes and he took advantage and he looked really good out there for sure kind of a quiet swagger about that team yeah uh, watching guys like the big named guys thinking you know what we've played together before at dev camp and some of these guys it's it's been a while in this rookie tournament you look at a guy like logan brown and stuff like that and it it almost looked like they decided to just stomp the gas pedal and say we're the best team out here because we have one of the best prospect pools in the league and i think that that's a confidence builder for them they think that they're a part of a young group that's going to be moving forward together there seems to already be that chemistry that excitement and let's not forget that guys like uh brady kachuk and colin white are part of that group as well they know those guys just as well so it's nice to see some cohesion some confidence and some swagger building up with this young core brady would have been one of the youngest players on this team let that sink wow (laughs) and he led the team in goals in the nhl last year at the end of the season at least holy for the guys who are left in the roster i don't think anyone caught what stone had even with ottawa but um yeah wow let that sink in um, lot, lots of competition, though, for main camp, which I think I've mentioned two or three times now. It starts Thursday. Like, it's coming up. We're recording here. It's it's overnight coming up to Tuesday the 10th. So uh, two days from Let's now. Go. Can't wait. And we'll get, obviously, like I said, a lot more into who's going to make the team. But before we move on to the rest of the summer storylines, we got a lot to catch up on. Yep. It's been since early July since we recorded after development camp. I feel like it's been so much prospect talk, which is great, which is fun. Gotta love the projections, but we're Sens fans at the end of the day. We want to talk about the real roster, and there was some promise. But before we get to that, Parley, I know you had some notes. Did you want to get to any more points before we move on from rookie tournament? Uh, 
A little bit, yeah. Um, when we were talking about Logan Brown there, I think one thing that was exciting for me to see is he started to figure out how to play the game as a big man, and that was one of my huge notes on Brady Kachuk last year when I was on a kind of Kachuk train, as we joked all year <laughs> long, is there was a little bit of... Uh, should we take Philip Zadina, should we take Brady Kachuk? And the one point I kept driving home was he knows how to play his game. He knows how to play the power forward role. That became evident that Logan Brown can be added to that list as well. He knows how to play the big man role. And there was one moment that really defined that for me. And it was just in, he had the puck along the side wall and uh, Brady, or sorry, Drake Batherson threw it around the side and it was in the cycle game. He leaned on his stick and kind of just put his ass out and said, you're not getting this from me because the puck's about seven feet away from you when I can have it at my full length. And that was vintage Jason Spezza. And I don't think that part of the game has left yet in the NHL. And that's one thing that he's able to dominate at. So that's super exciting to see a guy like that add to it uh, and bring that part of his game out. And one more note. Um, Hate to bring a negative into play after such a good weekend, but uh, you know you were talking a little bit, Ross, about Joey Decord and how he was so technically good. I was a little bit let down with his uh, play with the puck on the weekend. He looked a little bit shaky coming out behind, from behind the net, a little bit indecisive. And uh, for what we've learned about him, is he's a great puck handling guy. And uh, I was a little bit let down in that, but hey. Uh, he looked good otherwise, so I, at the end of the day, it was still a plus game in my books for Joey Decord, and obviously I hope for a speedy recovery. When I think of what you said, how he looked a little uh, nervous with the puck, a big thing too is, as a goalie, when I played Tendy, not a big deal, six years house league uh, all-star, uh, <laughs> the big thing with playing the puck is communicating and knowing your defensemen. So when you're put in a situation where you're playing with guys who you don't have a lot of time playing with, you don't really know their tendencies, and they're probably not used to a goalie playing the puck as much as Decord likes to, it can get a little awkward and you can kind of do the hezzy haze and not sure, like, should I get it? Should I leave it? Should I play it so i think that was part of what was happening with decord there and plus guys are skating at a much uh faster pace so the speed of the game is a little quicker too so i think that's something as decord plays a couple more games well this season for sure he'll get some action at a higher level than just college hockey he's going to get more comfortable in that aspect of his game i was listening back and on the last episode i said he was going to play between 15 and 20 games in belleville in belleville this season I'm I'm ready to up that to 20 to 25. I think this guy once he gets an opportunity, it's going to be hard to take it away from him. But you're you're saying that banking on one key thing that one goalie will move. Either Anderson gets traded or decides to hang him up or whatever happens because there's a logjam. Yeah, there's I mean, unless you think Belva's going to go with three goalies and rotate them, but that I don't I think everybody loses in that scenario. I think for for my situation to play out, Hogberg has to be in the NHL for two months. But how, he doesn't Even get still, there unless I, I Nielsen think right, or Anderson moves. Right now, Gustafson's the second on the depth chart in Belleville yes. based on last year. Yeah. So for Joey to play 20 games, he's going to have to at least overtake Gustafson. I think he can do that. Ross Levitan with hot Joey Decord takes. I mean, I, th- I think he's going to back it up. So we'll see. Throw it in there, too. Uh, and it's Eric Branstrom, which was a huge name going into this weekend. And boy, did he look smooth with the puck in his own end. He skates so well. And we joked about it on the car ride home from Belleville back to Toronto on Saturday night. He almost has that ability to know everybody's reach and keep the puck 
two inches away from that reach, and he just can toy with you for that much longer while the play develops, while the line change, while the forwards are getting in position, and then it's either a quick play up the boards or he beats the guy and he's gone. He's so smooth with the puck, and I, I think we would be remiss to not mention at least how good he looked in uh, in this wrap-up of the uh, in a 3-0 rookie camp. And maybe the quote of the of the week was Eric Branson said, we're going there to win. Yeah. Well, buddy, you sure did. And I think everybody won when Colin White signed that six-year, $28.5 million contract, paying him, what, an average of 4.5 over that? Yep, 4.75. Yeah, 4.75, buying one year of unrestricted free agent there. So on that last year, I think the it goes up to over $6 million, but between now and then, it's about four, four and a half. So that's about where Colin White, I'd say, is. Where, where, how do you guys feel about that contract? I love it, and it's so hard to kind of justify or look at what a contract like this will mean because of the length of it. So the only way to do it is look at the numbers. So I decided to break it down, and what his $4 million contract is next year is 3.26% of the allowed $81.5 million NHL salary cap. And if you look at that number, that is very friendly, especially when you look at it. His 41 points last year was good for fifth amongst teammates that, of course, finished the season with the Senators. There's a couple more names in there like Stone and Duchesne, but that doesn't really equate into what the Senators have now. And with his role ready to expand, I think his game's going to grow a lot. So with that growing and then the NHL salary cap potentially growing more as his numbers go a little bit up, like you said, Ross, up to a $6 million at the end of the, at the, end of the day, that's a great contract for the Senators to sign, and it's huge for Colin White as well. And with the Sens having $10.8 million roughly projected in salary cap remaining, that's that's a great number to have for them, especially with money moving around in the future and a bunch of young guys coming up the pipeline they are going to need to get paid as well. One more thing that's really exciting about that deal for me was, remember back a little while ago, Maybe the start of last year, Pierre Dorian even commented on it, saying that it was hard for White to see his peer group playing star roles in the National League while he was still kind of grinding it out and finding his game at the pro level in Belleville. I think what this deal does is rewards him for not only the work he's done, but shows him that he's that guy in Ottawa now. He's the Matthew Kachuk and Noah Hannafin that we know are his buddies in Calgary. He's the Austin Matthews, which is his buddy in Toronto, and the Charlie McAvoy even in Boston. He's playing that star role, and it's not just that role now that he gets to have. It's the team saying, hey, we're ready to throw up some term and money as well to back it up. Yeah, definitely. And I want to expand on what you just said there, too, because they're really showing him that, yeah, we're trusting you and you, you've you given us no choice. Well, also the roster gives them no choice, but to put you in such a serious role. And the thing that is most important about this is even a more general sense. It's not about the money and the term that Colin White specifically signed. It's about what this says to the future guys like you talked about, Shabbat, Kachuk, uh, all the upcoming prospects that, look, the Senators are serious about keeping these players around this time, and they're going to put their money where their mouth is and at least give a fair deal that's going to keep these guys locked up and keep this roster intact. So Colin White, that's just the start opening the floodgates for the road to unparalleled success. <laughs> I think the most exciting thing for him would be, and the part that I'm most jealous about, 
is now Colin White gets a shotgun seat to the Brady Kachuk show for the next six yes. years, which I think is the best seat in the house. Yeah, funny. That duo only having played together for, what, one year? And it's probably longer than any other duo on the team going to camp. So when you look at it that way, it's almost silly to think that Colin White's nearly becoming a veteran on this team. But yeah. Thomas Shabbat's the next roadblock. He'll have to have his contract figured out by the end of next season. But there were also some other changes in the Sens lineup. And stick taps are in order for Zach Smith, the longtime Ottawa senator, was the longest-serving senator just over nine years, um, leaving the team, going to Chicago. In exchange, the senators acquired Artem Anisimov, a former 20-plus goal scorer, but really on the back end of his contract and career. But what do you make of that trade, Parley? It's tough to see the longest-serving senator go, and uh, I guess that's part of moving on. That's part of the uh, road to unparalleled success, as Pierre Dorian and Brandon Piller have said it so eloquently in the past. But this is a this is a contract where you start to see a little bit of things changing in Ottawa. A Russian comes in, which really doesn't happen that often, but it's. It's the moves that have to be made for the future. Uh, sometimes relationships take the backseat in what is now such a business-based hockey world, and I guess always has been. So seeing Smitty leave is a tough one. Uh, Stick taps, absolutely. He was a great senator for a long time. Um, not always put the most amount of points up, but played roles that a lot of guys aren't willing to. So uh, tough to see him go, but Artem Anisimov, let's see what he can bring to the table. Yeah, partly. Like you said, tough to see Smitty go, especially he was one of those guys that you knew could, all, like he had a lot of aspects to his game. And we joked around uh, in earlier seasons and episodes of the podcast, he kind of was, had shades of Mark Stone to him, especially after his amazing season playing with Stone. That's kind of where he got that big contract. But you know what? It was it was his time. Like there wasn't really a spot for him anymore. I feel like him and Pajot kind of ended up battling for that third line center kind of role and I think Pajot won the battle which I think he should have at this stage in his career but I, I like the trade because it made a lot of sense for the Ottawa Senators money wise and I think Armin Isimov still has a bit left in the tank I mean he had 15 goals 22 assists last season he'd be one of the better Senators players with those point totals at, at the end of the season and he's a guy that you can comfortably put into your lineup every day you don't have to worry about him and Remember when he first got to Chicago, mind you, he was playing a lot with Patrick Kane, so that helps, but he was really putting up some good numbers. He had 45 and 42 points in back-to-back years, so if you can get that kind of production out of him, like that's Smitty, I think, only had, I think he had under 30 points last season, so you're getting a real upgrade offensively, which is something the Sens drastically needed in that trade. Yeah, Artem and Isimov signed this year and next year at a cap hit of 4.55. Although in base salary, he's only making $2 million this year. His signing bonus was paid by Chicago before the trade, $2 million. And then next year, it's $1.5 million signing bonus, $1.5 million salary. So he's only making $3 million in real money. Do they trade him right before that signing bonus is due? Nothing would surprise me. Um, One one good trade that they made also, just to move off of this one, was getting rid of Mike Condon's contract. Uh, I think anyone would have done this. The cap savings in terms of real money savings, I should say, and cap influ- influx, in- inflation. Mm. Um, 
it was the perfect storm. Add that with the log jam in between the pipes. So Mike Condon goes to Tampa for Ryan Callahan. You will never see Ryan Callahan in Ottawa. Completely a paper transaction, but something we ought to mention. Absolutely, and uh, it's so nice to see that as a goalie-friendly show, a little bit more clarity brought to the uh, blue crease of the Senators. There's still lots to go on with how many young guys are kind of chomping at the bit to get up there, even Kevin Mandelazy making a three stars. So uh, it'll be interesting, but at least a little more clarity at the NHL level. And uh, I think it would be hard to turn away what uh, Anders Nielsen was able to bring to the table last year. So at an NHL level, it's Andy, it's Nielsen, at least for now. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but uh, good to see Kondo's money move on. Yeah, and similar to Smitty, like you got to give sick taps to Condon when he came into Ottawa for a fifth round pick from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He, I think he played. It was more than twenty consecutive games. He was just getting trotted out there every single night, and he was a big reason for the Sen's success that season. So it's tough to see a guy like that kind of right after they sign him to a decent deal, kind of Hammond esque. Uh, kind of go down the pipes and not really end up being what you hoped. But it was time for him to move on, and the Sens made another good money move. So I think all around, that's a good deal. How about this, boys? Mike Kahn, in the year that he was acquired, he played 40 games, 19 wins, but he also became the fastest goalie in Sens history to reach five shutouts. It took him 32 games to get five shutouts. Wow. Yeah, he was hot. Yeah, but, I mean, had to move on. Uh, somebody else that had to move on, we'll finish off the episode with a couple of kind of quirky ones, uh, Jonathan Dolan. I, I can rem- tell every Sens <laughs> fan listening to this was so mad when Alex Burroughs was the one-for-one trade for Jonathan Dolan. Not to mention the immediate extension given to Alex Burroughs right <laughs> after they traded him for him. But, I mean, when you have a guy who's as good at ball hockey as Burroughs is, you got to lock him down. Hey, we saw him this weekend in Belleville, but... That's not the part of the trade that I'm talking about. Jonathan <laughs> Dolan's NHL experience is over for now. I, maybe I'll say on hold. He's going back to Timra. And that may, got me thinking, what what's like the one Sens prospect that you were irrationally excited about that never panned out? Maybe we'll, we'll put a poll up and we'll tag Henry at Sens Prospects. Shameless plug. <laughs> got to follow him along as well. Unreal content over the uh, rookie tournament, but Parley, who, who's that guy for you? We were so excited about as a prospect. This is a trap that I feel like every Canadian falls in because every time at the same time of year we watch the World Junior Team, and then you get so locked into those young guys, and they're playing on the best team in the tournament by far every year, so they always exceed expectations. And I feel like you know that I'm going with the best smile to ever lace him up for <laughs> Ottawa in Curtis Lazar. Because when he was wearing the C for Team Canada and he got drafted, you were like, hey, this is a kid that's going to come in. He's going to play a good role like a sure game. Deal. He's going to be like a top six guy. Unfortunately, wearing the C was the highlight of what looks like it's going to be not very long career. And uh, taking 17th overall, I was excited. And now I'm not. Aw. Also, actually, I'll let you guys go first. I got a, I got an honorable mention. Okay, well, I'll start with my honorable mention to, to f- 
Oh, so we're doing honorable mentions before we get to mine? That's fine. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> it. Because it didn't look like you were ready. You were scavenging through your phone. But anyone who grew up in Ottawa and who's about my age, let's say born between 90 and 93, you know Corey Locke. And you knew that he won OHL MVP. You <laughs> knew that he was a part of the team that last won the Memorial Cup. He was such a stud for the 67s. And uh, then he, I think he started out with Montreal or whatever. And uh, the transition was a little tougher for him. He came over to Ottawa. He ended up playing a couple of years in Binghamton, but uh, he never panned out. Bingo. So now I'll let you get to yours, and, and then I'll tell you mine afterwards. How about that? Oh, wow, thanks. Nice to join the show, guys. Uh, so my prospect, and this is a guy who the Sens did not draft. Uh, goalie-friendly show, just want to remind you guys. My prospect goes by the name of Matt O'Connor. This is a guy, he was playing college hockey. The hype about him was unreal, playing in BU. He had an amazing season, 2.18 uh, goals against, 9.27 save percentages. Uh, so many teams were trying to court this guy, thinking that he was going to be a guy that they could build on in the future. He had a lot of hype, but you know what? He chose the Ottawa Senators, like Pierre Dorian said <laughs> in our last podcast. They wanted to be in Ottawa. Who doesn't? And things did not pan out for him. He played one NHL game. Ross, I'm sure you know all about that game for the Ottawa Senators. And then he spent some time in bingo and had two seasons of a goals against average well above three. Didn't work out. I think he's just been bouncing around the minors uh, recently. So that's kind of where he's at. But I was really excited for that. And not much. No, not. Didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Matt O'Connor, the reason why Dave Cameron got fired, according to Eugene Melnick. Yep. How do you start the third-string goalie in the home opener? How do you get fans <laughs> fired up like that? Yeah, geez. <laughs> um, there, there were a couple that I'm thinking of, but uh, I don't know why I even fell for this. I knew it was going to be a bust from from the moment that, that I, I first saw him play. But when you draft a guy in the top 10, you expect him to be a star. Oh, no. Just a a cute blonde kid from high school in Minnesota, the great state of <laughs> hockey. And it was after a season that didn't exist. So Ottawa drafting in the top 10 after finishing as high as they did in 2004, it was it was all aces until Brian Lee walked to the stage. <laughs> and you're like, okay, let's see him play. And I... T- I don't know what to tell you about Brian Lee. He just couldn't string it together. Yeah. It was so inconsistent. He was he was Cody Cece in his own zone before Cody Cece was Cody Cece. The OG Cody Cece is not a title you want to have. But what hurts that Brian Lee selection even more is two picks later, Anze Kopitar went to the Kings. No man, way. Oh, man, that Darn. one hurts. Uh, my special shout-out, and... This one always brings a little chuckle for me. Is uh, and it's a picture that Ross Levitan of Sun Central posted to Facebook one time, saying the future of Ottawa Senators blue line. <laughs> and it was a young Ross Levitan wearing with my a buddy Max. O. Max was wearing a Carlson jersey. This is when Carl was twenty. Go on. <laughs> and Ross Levitan is wearing a Jared Cowan jersey. Yikes. Yikes. That jersey, fun fact, now owned and worn proudly by me. <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle, folks. 
You got it. Okay, fun, fun little quick poll we'll do. Which former senator and Maple Leaf defenseman is the best? Your options are Jared Cowan, Cody Cece, and Ben Harper. Hey, Rank what about them. Ron Hainsey? And Ron Hainsey. <laughs> and Nikita Zaitsev. There yeah. you go. There's your five. Yeah, Rank them. Wow. Um, ben Harper's at the bottom with as a 5A, with 5B being Cody Cece. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave an open slot. <laughs> I don't think anyone's don't ever ranked the, this list of defensemen before. <laughs> <laughs> who who would be your top pair out of those guys? Oh, Hainsey and Zaitsev. No question. They're wow. two of the <laughs> best defensemen in the NHL. DJ Smith trusts them Hand so picked. much. <laughs> Handpicked them out of his old pile of crap. Yeah, that's easy answer, <laughs> Ross. Oh, man. I think we're getting delirious. We're so... So late. It's 1 a.m. here. We're, we haven't even gotten back from Belleville, but we had to get in here. We had to get the latest on the Sens rookie tournament. And like I mentioned, this is the season finale. You may think that hockey started, but this is just the last of summer. Hockey starts for real on Thursday when medicals happen at Ottawa Senators camp at the CTC. And now that we're with Big Heads, shout out Big Heads. We'll have more to talk about with our partnership with them coming up on episode 62 of Making Sense of the Sens, which will be next week, right when preseason gets underway. The Senators start the preseason in Newfoundland against the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, a game that they seem to be doing o- over and over. I saw them play there about four years ago. Um, they are playing Montreal then, but now it's Toronto Maple Leafs. It'll be fun to watch and just like we had fun this weekend, did we mention the Sens Rooks went a perfect 3-0? and Well, for Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament, thank you for coming with me. We had a great time on Saturday, and we're going to have a great time all season long. I'm Ross Levitan. Go Sens, go!